0: Good morning, oh boy that was kind of weak, I'm insecure enough as it is up here to get a response like that, good morning, morning. thank you very much, well if I'm up here uh, preaching then that means Pastor Mike is out of town and uh, he is in the desert, I don't believe eating locusts and wild honey, but uh, I believe he's gone to uh, the Resolve conference along with a number of other people from our church, so we trust that... uh, He's being blessed by that time and look forward to his returning. Last time I had the opportunity to preach, I must admit that I was extremely nervous. Uh, My nerves may not be any less than they were last time, but because of the topic of the sermon today, it's one of those things to where you have to kind of put what you're saying into practice. So as that unfolds, hopefully you'll realize that uh, the topic that we're going to be looking at from God's Word is one that we can all put into practice, as I have attempted to do this week. Let's begin by reading from God's Word, Philippians chapter 4, if you'd turn there please, Philippians chapter 4, and we'll start at verse 2, and it is our custom, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Philippians 4 beginning at verse two I entreat Eodia and I entreat Syntithiki to agree in the Lord yes I ask you also true companion help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Lord God, we thank you for this morning, this time that you've given us here today to be able to study your word. God, we just ask that as we have heard from you this morning... We just ask, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with your spirit so that we might understand and know the things that you have for us this day. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You May you be seated. There's a story that comes out of of World War II about a small passenger ship who was uh, carrying a a bunch of people on kind of a a, a really quick ocean-going tour. And while they were out in the ocean, they happened to wander into enemy waters. And consequently, they were attacked and the boat was sunk. But the, the people who did the attacking of the boat were at least gracious enough and humane enough to rescue those that were in the water. And as they brought them on, on board their ship, they, uh, they didn't really give them the best of accommodations there. They uh, had to spend the night, in fact, in a, in a warehouse holding uh, part of the ship where, where the cargo was. And it was cold, it was damp, it was nothing but a hard floor for them to sleep on. And the next morning fortunately the sun had come out enough to where they were allowed to come up onto the deck to be able to uh, dry out, to be able to warm themselves, to be able to just enjoy the sun, sunshine for a moment. And while they were out there on this deck they began to compare notes they began to talk about what took place in their evening, how they had not slept very well, how the floor was so hard that, that they couldn't even get a, a bit of sleep. And they shared their anxieties and their fears. Are we going to get home? Where are we going to be going to? Where are they taking us? And then in the midst of this conversation, one of the men spoke up and said, you know what, none of us got to sleep in these in this, uh, conditions that we were in. However, there was one guy sleeping, and I know this because he snored the entire evening. And people perplexed, how could anybody sleep under these circumstances? Looked, and and as the gentleman stepped forward and said, yes, it was me, I I did sleep. And he said, like the rest of you, as you can see, my, my body isn't really one that has much padding. He was rather thin. He said, yes, the deck was hard. He said, at first I couldn't sleep. I was worried. I was anxious like the rest of you. But then I remembered the words to Psalm 121. And I'd like to read that for you, beginning at verse two. It says, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, he will he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And he thought to himself as he as he recited that poem or that psalm, he lifted his, his voice in prayer and said, God, if you're going to be up all night, there's no sense in both of us staying awake. And he said, so I went to sleep. God promises never to slumber and to never sleep. And this really illustrates for us quite perfectly what it means for us to have the peace of God. Having the peace of God is not contingent upon our circumstances, but upon our relationship with God. The peace of God belongs to those who are so close to Him that they can have peace in any difficulty. And this is what Paul shares with us as a text that we're looking here this morning. And look again with me at chapter 4, verse 7. In fact, we're going to kind of do this in reverse. We're going to look at verse 7 and then go back and look at verse 6. But verse 7 says this, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. It's not talking about man's peace. It's not talking about peace in general it's not talking even about a peace of mind but it's talking about the peace of God that peace that comes supernaturally to us it isn't peace that we make up and it is not trying to find stuff in order for us to gain peace and think of it this way Uh, I don't know if there's any gamers in the room you know uh, students you'll understand what I mean by that but video games are fairly popular and one of the things about video games is that there's always a next level if you ever seen them played or played them yourself, you know that that level is coming and you work frantically to try to win and beat the level you're at in order to get to the next level. And in doing so, you think, if I can just get to that next level, then I will have peace. But what happens? There's still the next level to beat. And so the cycle continues where you think you're going to have peace by winning this one level to be able to move to the next level. Or you can even think of it in this manner. How many of you are planning vacations? You're working real hard to be able to get all the stuff that you need together in order so that you can get uh, on the road or get to your plane. Making plans, you want to be there early, making sure you have things packed, making sure that, that your kids have things packed, that the animals are taken care of if you have any. All these plans are going and you're frantically working, trying to get to the place to where you can get to your destination, relax and have peace. Doesn't that happen to us? Well, this is not the kind of peace that we're talking about. This is manufactured peace, and we can't manufacture peace. The peace of God is what He does and what He gives, not what we do. It is not found in positive thinking, in absence of conflict, or in good feelings. It comes from knowing that God is in control. It's why this missionary can sleep. It's why he was able to rest in the evening. He relied on God's peace. And this peace that is there that he relied upon is really different than the world's peace. Because the peace that we have as a believer is the peace that Jesus himself promised to his disciples and to all those who would follow him. John 14, 27 says this, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, people who don't have a relationship with God through Christ have a hard time understanding this kind of peace. And that's why Paul writes here again in verse 7 that this peace which God gives us surpasses all understanding, it's not comprehensible. It's something that goes beyond our understanding. And Paul knew exactly what he's talking about because he experienced so many difficulties in his life that challenged his peace with God that he was able to see how greatly it surpassed any of his understanding. Let's look at some of those real quick. Turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians will be at chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll be in the middle of verse 23 because Paul is talking about some of the difficulties that he faced here in writing. In fact, he gets to the point to where he says, Am I talking like a madman with far greater labors for more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death? He's explaining his situation that he's gone to as he's pouring out his heart to this church. And he says verse 24 five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus 1 three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger and danger from rivers danger from robbers danger from own, my own people danger from Gentiles danger in the city danger in the wilderness danger at sea danger from false brothers in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Here it is, Paul is just relating to these relaying to these people in Corinth just the difficulties he faced, but he still, in Philippians, can write that he has the peace of God that surpasses all understanding because he experienced the difficulties. It was his burden, it was his, his desire that this church... Here in Corinth, that the gospel that they received would be something that they would grow in and mature in. And so he relayed to him just how much it was that he labored for them. The world doesn't have the right relationship to understand this peace. The world doesn't know what true peace is because they don't know the prince of peace. The unbeliever may think that they know peace, but really their peace is the elimination of anxiety. And they strive after things to try to eliminate that worry and that anxiety in their life in order to gain peace. Sometimes they might medicate themselves. Sometimes they look for it in relationships. Sometimes they go on some kind of a spiritual quest trying to discover what true inner peace might be for the turmoil that they experience. But we know from God's word that really the true peace of God comes through Jesus Christ and him alone he is the only one who can give us peace he is the only one that can free us from our anxieties and our worries they don't understand God's peace but we know our own peace and even though his peace goes beyond all understanding we can be sure that for those who rely solely on Christ Jesus for their salvation will be given his peace Because God is true and faithful, He will always do what He says and fulfill what He promises. And here's what God has promised for us. He's promised us that His peace will guard our hearts and our minds. What does it say there in verse 7? Back in Philippians. He tells us that the peace of God, the peace of God... Let me find it myself here, I'm sorry. The peace of God surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say might guard your hearts, or it could possibly guard your hearts, but what does it say? It will guard your heart and your mind. It's a certainty. And when God's peace guards our hearts and our minds, we need to think of it like a squadron of soldiers who have surrounded a city, Backs against the walls, facing outward, so that they can protect the city from any invaders that might be coming in, anybody who wants to attack from the outside. This is what it means to have our hearts and our minds guarded. It means that, that God is protecting us, He has surrounded us from any outside forces coming in, desiring to hurt or harm or change our hearts or our minds. His peace keeps our hearts safe. His peace keeps our minds safe. We are protected from all these outside forces. And when we think of the heart, I know for us, oftentimes that, that thought is that it's of our emotions. Valentine's days come, you know, and we have that box of candy and that card, and we want to show how much our feelings are for our significant other, our spouses, those that we wish were our spouses. All these type of things come out. But when Paul's talking about the heart here, in the Roman time, when he was writing to the, to the church of Philippi, the heart that he was talking about was not just our feelings and emotions, but he was always also talking about the desires. The desire of our hearts. And Jesus talked about this himself, saying that sometimes and oftentimes the desire of our hearts are deceitful above all things. Our hearts can deceive us. And that's why we need that protection. That's why we need our hearts guarded. When, God, when the peace of God guards our hearts, what it's doing is really keeping our emotions in check and it's keeping our desires under control. And in the same way that our heart is protected, so is our mind. Our minds are protected. And we're not talking here in in the sense of our minds in the way that we uh, gain knowledge or understanding. It's great for us to be able to go to school, kids, to learn what we need to know in life and to be able to grow in our knowledge. But what he's really talking about here is our thought life. Our minds need to be guarded against the thoughts that we have against those things that that bombard us and cause us to maybe think about the wrong things. It is protected. And Paul, he talks about this protection so that our not only hearts and our minds are protected, but the two coming together as one and we are wholly and completely protected by Him. It is crucial that our hearts and minds are protected because often our emotions... And our desires can overrule our thinking. And our thinking can often rationalize our feelings and justify what we want. But the peace of God will protect us from harmful outside forces. It could be thought of in this way. Unchecked desires will lead to irrational thinking or irrational thoughts. And irrational thoughts can often lead to justified desires. That's why in the story of a, of a little, uh, little boy who was relentlessly picked on by an older sister, one of the things that took place is that he was just getting tired of being picked on. And his greatest desire at this moment was to just haul off and hit his sister. But he knew that it would be wrong for him to do this, that he would get into trouble. And so no matter how hard he tried to keep his anger in check, even knowing these things to happen... He let his desires get the better of him and consequently hit his sister. Well, his parents confronted him about his, uh, his choice, how he had behaved so irrationally, and he was able to justify his actions by saying that really he, act, he, he didn't actually hit his sister. What had happened was that she had run into his fist. This is what it is to have unchecked desires. They lead to irrational thoughts. And our irrational thoughts can lead to justified desires. Now, I I don't know about you, but sometimes there are things that I I just struggle with. My emotions can get the better of me. and, And my desires are less than pure. And sometimes my thoughts go in directions that they shouldn't go in. But here's the thing that's great. When I surrender to the peace of God... Then I can find out that these thoughts, these emotions, these desires come under control. They are under his control. And we are protected because of God's peace. This is why this missionary could sleep. He knew the peace of God, he was able to surrender himself over to the peace of God. And when nobody else was able to sleep that evening, he was able to sleep. Well, the big question comes for us is, how do we get there? How do we get to the place where God completely guards our hearts and our minds? And for us to discover that, we need to jump back to verse 6. So jump back with me. Verse 6 of Philippians 4. It says there, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God essentially what Paul begins with is saying that how we get to the place to where we experience the peace of God, the peace of God so that it is guarding our hearts and our minds, is that it first begins by not being anxious. Do not be anxious. Don't worry. Because the reality of it is, is that worry is the exact opposite of peace. But for some strange unknown reason, we like to worry, don't we? I think we like to worry so much because it's something that we can drag out for a long period of time and kind of savor the agony. Even though we don't want to, it happens. And if we were willing to take it to God and to seek His peace, it would be over quickly, maybe too quickly. So we try to create things to worry about. Maybe students you're here, have graduated high school, you're worrying about what college you want to go to. Parents who have kids who are going to college, you're worrying about, how do I pay for it? There are all kinds of worries that take place. The stuff that happens on the job, at work. Maybe you're out of work, and you're worrying about how you're going to make ends meet. Some of you right now, as, as I'm speaking, are worrying about, what are you going to have for lunch today? It is a worry. I promise not to be too long, so your worries will be short. But when we worry like this, it doesn't give room for God's peace. Because the peace of God is a reality in our hearts. But if we are so focused on our cares and our concerns and the complexity of life, this doesn't give the peace of God much of an opportunity to make its impact on us. John MacArthur said it this way, that the real challenge of the Christian life is not to eliminate every unpleasant circumstance. It is to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, holy, sovereign, powerful God in every difficulty. Relying on God and who He is and how great He is to provide the peace that we need. We will always have difficulties. We will always have struggles. They can't be completely eliminated. And that's why God gives us His peace. And if we are anxious then we aren't experiencing the peace of God and our difficulties will get the better of us. But we don't need to give in to these anxieties. God wants us to have His peace. And the reason that He wants us to have His peace is because, quite simply, He loves us. He loves us so much that He was willing to send His Son to die on the cross for us so that we might have life. And if we're willing to trust in Him for our only hope and our only faith, then we will have that life. Because God loves us, He wants us to go to Him. This is why Paul, in verse 6 here, writes that we are to take everything to God. What does it say there? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. And the funny funny thing about everything is that everything means everything. The big things, the small things, the insignificant things, the humongous things. All of these he wants us to bring to him. We are to approach him by praying. We are to approach him in our supplication. We are to approach him in our thanksgiving. We are to approach him with our requests. And when he talks about prayer here, prayer is simply a worshipful conversation that we can have with God. And I know oftentimes it's difficult to have that worshipful conversation because there are so many things that are pressing for our times. It's like, how how do we carve out that time to be able to sit down with God and worship Him in prayer? I don't know about you, but sometimes the places I pick aren't too conducive to being able to worship Him. So I have to change the setting. And sometimes I feel like when I'm praying to Him, I don't get anywhere. I don't worship Him because the thoughts of, of what I need to take care of during the day happen. But here's something I've discovered. Is that if I take a piece of paper with me and a pencil or a pen, and those thoughts come to my mind, I can write them down. I can record them and make my list for the day. Because really, what is happening is God is just ordering my day at that point. And I can continue on in my time of prayer to Him. We are to come to Him in supplication, it says. Supplication is not a word that we use all that often in the English language. But simply it means that we need to approach God with this great sense of need. That we're desperate for Him. That we're wanting to seek Him with everything that we've got. This is supplication. That we come before Him knowing that we need Him always. That we come before Him always needing Him. Then Paul tells us that we're supposed to be thankful. That we are supposed to have this focused attitude in approaching God that puts our heart in the right place. Our heart needs to be in the right place. Thanking God for all the things that He has done for us. Thanking for the provision that He's He has given us. Thanking Him for just all the, the little things of life. The daily provisions that He gives. We need to thank Him for the salvation that we have. Remembering where we have come from as sinners. And that by grace through faith, we can have experienced new life through Christ. We need to thank Him for that new life that He's given us. And then once we've reached that place, Paul says, Hey, you know what? Now make your requests be made known to Him. This is directly asking for God's help regarding any specific need that you might ha- have. Anything that you need to come to Him with. Like I said, everything bring to Him. Those needs, those concerns, those cares. We have a good God who loves us dearly. And we can be sure that the requests we make known to God are heard by Him because we are loved by Him. There's a story of a little boy who was out riding his bicycle, and as he was out uh, enjoying himself, he fell down. And as little boys and little girls who ride their bikes might happen, they skin their knee. And while he was sitting there crying, his dad saw what had happened and ran up to him and hugged his da- and hugged his little boy. And the little boy had this great assurance that his dad was going to be there, that he was one that he could receive that hug from because he knew his dad loved him. If a stranger would have come along, seeing the boy gotten hurt and run up and wanted to give him that same kind of... of um, of help, of wanting to give him a hug. The boy doesn't know that man. He doesn't know whether the man's going to hurt him or harm him or or that even loves him and he's going to run away. But that's the way we need to approach God, knowing that He loves us. And because He loves us, when we have our skin knees, we can go before Him, laying everything at His feet and receiving the hug that He has for us. And we can take assurance in that. And while we might think that our problems are simply unique to us and that no one could ever understand what we're going through, well, not only does God love us, but He also understands us. He knows our struggles. He knows our needs even before we ask. But we need to go before Him. In my early days of ministry, I had the opportunity to, to work with youth. Spent 20-something years in there. You kind of lose count after a while. But it was interesting to me, and in a sad way, the complexity of kids' problems as I had the opportunity to counsel them. In the early times, a lot of the struggles just had to do with dealing with their friends, maybe some conflict with their parents every now and then. But as the years went by, the struggles became greater. There was the struggle of the pressures of the parties of getting involved in relationships that would take them to where they didn't want to go and then having to repair these these try to repair these kids and what was hard is that understanding and recognizing the pain that they felt it was something that I just so desperately wanted to do and helping them to, to be able to identify them to walk in their shoes but realizing that I couldn't because I didn't know their pain completely I didn't know them completely I couldn't enter into their world But you know what? God understands our hurts and our pains. He understands them because He entered our world through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus humbled Himself, became a man so that He might identify with us. And as a result, all the hurts and the sorrows and the pain that we experience on a daily basis, He experienced also. And that is why... We can go to him. That is why we can take everything to him. Because he loves us. Because he understands us. When we accept the fact that God does understand us, then we can open up to him and share with him our deepest concerns with confidence that he will give us his peace in any circumstance. We have a good God and we have a great God. And I encourage you as you go home and are climbing in the bed this evening and you're contemplating sleeping, that all the cares and the anxieties and the struggles of the day can be put aside because you know that the peace of God is with you. The peace of God is with you because you have that relationship with Christ that you understand that you know Him and who He is. Because really, the peace of God belongs only to the believer. God will only hear the prayers of a believer. And if you don't know peace, well, there's good news for you today. You can know that peace. Because there is one prayer that God hears of an unbeliever. And that's a prayer that cries out to Him for salvation, the confessing of sin, to recognizing your need for Him. To putting your whole faith and hope and trust in Him and Him alone. Asking for forgiveness. Desiring to follow Him. And when that takes place, knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have peace that you would never understand. And I encourage you today, if if that's something that you have not done and you really want to know God's peace, then there will be people available up here to talk to you. I'll be available to talk to you and love to do that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity that you've given us to be able to study your word, to be in your word. We ask right now, Lord, as we go, that you will give us your peace, your perfect peace. You're a good God and you're a great God. We thank you for that. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.